Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Glad you guys are here. Now tonight we're going to wrap up. Uh, we're going to wrap up our non-negotiables series. We're really talking about uh, just the foundations of our faith, the things that, yeah, this is when people ask me, "Hey, I'm." I'm I'm moving here, this, that, or I'm headed off to college. What do I look for in a church? I tell them Hebrews 6. Go through there. These are the things that we're not going to negotiate about as Christians. This is foundational when it comes to this. And that really when we get this straight, it helps us to see clearly where we need to go, where we want to go. And I love clarity. I love knowing where I need to go. I don't like aimlessly doing much of anything. I want to know what it is so I can, I can purpose and I can go and I can begin to prepare and I can do things. And really, as, as, as we go through this series, as we've gone through this, I really hope that that, and I pray that that is what has happened for you. So Hebrews 6.1 says this. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, <clears throat> of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So today, we wrap it out with eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. Now, something coming up, it, it, it's a little ways off, but uh, as, as we get started with this, I think we should probably talk about hunting season because it is right around the corner. I mean, if you're turkey hunting, you can hunt right now. My season, it came and went and I didn't get one, but there's only 147 days until archery season opens, which means it is time to get ready because... If I do not get ready now, I know what's going to happen. I will not be able to hit the broadside of a barn with my bow come season. I will not have the confidence to know, yes, I can take that shot or I can't take that shot. So I prepare. There are all kinds of things that we do to prepare. All kinds of, if you're in high school, you're in high school because it's fun. No, I don't think so. You're there to prepare for what's coming next, right? You begin to prepare. College, same thing. You're preparing. You're like, okay, my life is coming. I saw a great quote. It said, uh, uh, talking about a graduation. Was it, was it college or high school? I don't even remember which one it was, but it was a little card, and it said, congratulations on completing the easiest part of life. I thought that was awesome. But it, it's preparing for life. What we're talking about tonight is eternal judgment. But what our lives are to be is us preparing for what's coming next. It's to be us looking at what we're doing, preparing for what's coming next. Now, we know that when we die, I say we, I'm assuming, I probably shouldn't. The Bible teaches that when we die, the real you, the spirit that's on the inside, we talked about this last week, is gonna leave your body and go to heaven. Well, it's gonna, again, it's gonna go somewhere. Let's look at this. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that, judgment. See, there is a judgment. This is when, what happened? When most of us will, maybe, maybe you, you think, well, all right, well, one day I'll stand before God, and we'll see if my good works on this side outweigh the junk that I did over here and the mistakes, and oh, no, I did a lot of junk over here, so I better do a lot of really nice things over here. But that's not how it works, not, not even close. Romans 14.10 says this, for we've all sinned, for we will all, excuse me, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. This is everyone. 
as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So each one of us must give an account of himself to God. Now, if you believe that, then that needs to change some things about the way we live now. And most Christians, Christians believe that. And they say, I don't, when I stand before God, I don't want to be in trouble. I know the things that I've done. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've fallen short. I know about that. So I want to avoid that. I, want, I just want to skip that part all together. Anybody like getting in trouble? Maybe you just get called to the boss's office. And you're like, you're walking the whole hallway thinking, well, did I do something? Maybe I didn't do something. Did I not do something that I should have done? And you quickly pull out something, you start to check your emails. Is there something that I don't know about that's happening right now? And really all they want to do is tell you did a great job. But you just don't know. And none of us really, really enjoy the, oh no, could I be getting in trouble? Might I be getting in trouble? So as Christians, you say, okay, I want to avoid that one, become a Christian. I believe that the Bible is true. What it says is true. And a lot of Christians stop right there. But there's more to it than that. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. See, there's, there's a distinction for sure. When you die, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, then yes, your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. If not, then no. It's eternal. And again, that's, that's what we're talking about, is eternal judgment. That your eternal address can be either heaven or hell. But there's more than just it's either heaven or hell. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, and this is where we're gonna spend most of our time talking about this idea. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body. And we read this verse last week, but then here's where it continues. It says, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad, there is a difference. When it comes to heaven, heaven is not a you get in and we all watch the same movie, it's the same thing. It's not gonna be the same for everyone. The first step is, yes, absolutely, you're gonna stand before God. The Bible says there's no other name given to men by which they can be saved except the name of Jesus. Jesus paid the price, there's no other way to do it. What he came and did on the cross Paid the price for every single one of us. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But he came and lived that perfect, sinless life and shed his blood so that we could be free. When we accept that, that is decided for us. That is heaven. That's stage one. That is heaven. But beyond that, there is more. Heaven is not a socialist utopia where everything is gonna be the exact same for every single person. Instead, our life is to prepare us for what will be happening in heaven, for the lives that we will, I guess, I'll say live in heaven for all eternity. What we do now affects eternity for each and every single one of us. First Corinthians talks, and it says this. I'm, I'm actually gonna read it. It's a little bit long, but we're gonna read it. First Corinthians 3, 11. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one that's already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be refined with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Now, it's not talking about actual wood, stray, stones. No, it's talking about 
the foundation which is Christ. Say, now that we know that, how are we gonna live our lives? What are we gonna do with that? What is it that's gonna, how, what, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna do things that last or are we gonna do things that don't last? You build something out of straw, it isn't gonna last very long. Actually, I said that and I immediately saw this little picture of these houses they're building out of straw bales where they like put them in there and then they put mud on both sides of it and I'm like, it would just be a, I can just imagine every bug known to man is living in my walls. But you try to build something out of a simple straw, it's not going to last. And that's what they're talking about is how are we gonna live our lives and what are we gonna do? Verse 14. For if he, for if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. Verse 15, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss and he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. See, there are people who will enter heaven by the skin of their teeth. They'll make it into heaven, but that's really it. And it's gonna be great, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But in Revelations, when it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye, this is my personal belief that the reason why there's gonna be crying is because people are gonna realize, I could have done so much more. I could have done so much more. I wish that I would have done. I wish that I could have. Now, now I see. Hindsight, you've probably heard the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. You look back and you think, yeah, if I'd have sold then, if I'd have bought then, if I'd have done this, if I would have said hi to this, if I would have done this, if I'd have taken that job, if I'd have done this, yeah, I should have seen that before. But it's a matter of how are we gonna live right now? What are we gonna do right now to affect eternity? And I hope that tonight is a little bit of a, a warning for you. You know, if you're driving down the road and you see a cop, what goes through your head? You're like, oh, am I speeding? Like, even if you're not even somebody that like really drives fast, you still are like, oh wait, am I? You're like, oh no. Doesn't matter if they're in the side mirror, parked over here, way over there, outside of the car, or if wherever they are, you get this, oh no. You look down, you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. And off you go. Well, I think, I think something better than that. Because at that point, it's too late, right? You either are or you aren't. If you're coasting down a hill too fast or if you were in a hurry and not doing whatever, you, you were driving too fast, then he's gonna get you. She's gonna get you. You're gonna get got. But it's too late. What I think is even better than that is a radar detector that can warn you at an opportune time to check and make sure that you're not speeding. That before the cop is there, you say, oh, something starts making noise. You're like, oh yeah, and you look and you say, nope, I'm good. And now you see the cop and you think, what's up? <laughs> I know I'm not speeding, not accident, I'm not speeding. I don't wanna debate whether you should or shouldn't use a radar detector, but I do want I do want to be an advance warning tonight. To, to just kind of remind you that the things that we do now affect eternity, not just for those that it impacts, but for us as well, for you. For you, it will affect your eternity. God is a rewarder. Hebrews 6, 11 verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God is 
a rewarder. He is a rewarder. That's for you and for me. And when we think about heaven, there will be rewards in heaven based on the way that we have lived, what we have done, what we have given, who we have contributed to, what we have supported. Matthew 10, 40 says this. It says, he who receives me, receives me, receives the, uh, him who sent me. Verse 41, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. There's a prophet's reward. He receives a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. It's not gonna be the same for everyone. Verse 42, and he and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in my name, in the name of a, uh, in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say he shall by no mean lose his rewards. There are different rewards. And I like what it says in Matthew. You've probably heard this verse before. Matthew 6, verse 20. It says, but lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where, never, where neither thieves break in and steal or rust and moth destroy. Now, if the Bible tells us to lay up treasures in heaven, then what happens if we don't lay up treasures in heaven? Then there's something, some treasure that isn't gonna be there because I didn't put it there. Right? Heaven is not gonna be the same. What we do now is gonna impact eternity. It will impact and change eternity for each and every single one of us. And as I talk about this, it almost, it almost seems like this really selfish thing. It's like, wait a second. You're telling me how to make awesome even awesomer? But I think, I think as Christians, we go through stages. And I'm gonna liken this to something kind of like Christmas. Yeah, kind of, kind of like Christmas. This is what I mean. Do you remember Christmas when you were little? Do you remember Christmas, I mean, I mean when you were little, when like it was, it was months away and you're like, how, how much longer? Like how many more days? How many more days? How many more days? How many more days? How many days until Christmas? I wonder what Christmas is. And at our house, I remember my grandma would send presents. And so the presents would come like months and months in advance and they'd come and we'd be opening up boxes and some of the stuff would be for now and some of the stuff would be for Christmas. I remember seeing presents and being like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait. I loved Christmas. You didn't know it was gonna happen. It was gonna be fun. Dad was gonna be around. We're all just gonna be there. We're gonna be having tons of fun. It was gonna be Christmas. It was gonna be snow. It was gonna be an absolute riot. And that was Christmas. It was an absolute right. But then you get a little bit older, right? You get a little bit older and you're kind of like, yay, we're going to get something for Christmas. And, and, and Christmas can kind of lose some of its magic. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the same as it was. And you kind of think to yourself, like, I wish it, I wish it was as fun as it used to be. But it's, 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 not, it's not as much fun anymore. And the holiday kind of comes and you're there and then it goes and you're like, yay. It kind of came and went. Maybe the most exciting thing was you guys, you got a little older. I wasn't at school. I got to come home. I get to come back and see all my friends or something. But, but the holiday itself just didn't, Christmas wasn't, wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. But then something happened. Then I got kids of my own. And Christmas changed again. Because now, it wasn't about me anymore. All the magic was there again, but it's for my kids. 
and it is a riot. They're already asking, how long until Christmas? And I'm like, we just don't know. You can't do that. I remember the day after Christmas, Avery came up. She's our oldest, and she goes, how many more days until Christmas? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, 364. That's a full year. She's like, oh. But it's fun all over again because now it's not about me, but it's like, okay, so I get to plan this, and I'm going to get this, and this is going to be fun, and we're going to set this up, and then we're going to make them go from here to here to find the present, and then it's going to be over here, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do this family thing. We're all going to get together, and it's going to be fun, and they're going to do this. I'm going to make them sleep, and we're going to let them stay up late. It's going to be up. And here's the thing. It's more magical now for me than it has ever been, than it has ever been. I absolutely love it. We went through that. It was fun. Then that awkward stage. I remember uh, one of the first Christmases that I had at my in-law's house. Um, it was, I just remember thinking like, this is so awkward. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Not because we were there, but because we were opening presents and there was a bunch of presents and I had this huge present that was uh, to me, under the tree, and I almost like felt bad because it was this huge, huge present. Just the box was big. It wasn't very expensive. I mean, it was like 20 bucks. I don't remember. But I just remember thinking that's really big and there's a big present. Just that awkwardness thing that is so far removed now. It's not about me. I'm not, I'm like, I don't really care what we get. For the longest time, Beck and I, we didn't give presents to each other. I'm like, we're paying off our house. Don't, even, don't buy me anything. We're getting this done. Please do not, don't buy each other things. And, we, and so we didn't. But now, it's all the magic is back. I think Christians go through some of those same stages where they get saved, you, you get saved, and it's so exciting because, yes, you're free, and you get to experience that peace that comes only through God, and you're like, okay, this new life that's found, and as you're reading the word, and you're praying, you're like, wow, this is all new, and there's this zeal, there's this excitement that's there, and then it can get lost. It can get lost, and I don't know exactly why, but I've seen it happen over and over, where they kind of get self-focused, and they've been so focused on ourselves. But the way we get it back, and the Bible says this, he who loses his life, Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. See, when we go, when we, when we move from it's about me to what can I do to bless somebody else? What can I do for somebody else? It changes and it brings back the, okay, God, you've given me all of this. What can I do for the people around me with this? What can I do with the gifts, the talents, the money, the resources, the relationships that you've given me? What can I do for those that are around me? How can I do this? What can I do here? What can I do? A little something over here and a little something over here that no one else is going to know about, but I'm going to get to sit back and just smile because we were able to bless them. What, what can we do? What can we do? I really think you know, the Bible talks about just life and the stuff that's in this life, and it says that life doesn't consist of the abundance of man's possessions. But that is what the world around us is racing towards as fast as they can as fast as they can. But it's amazing as you look at people who have all kinds of possessions, 
and you see that it hasn't brought them happiness in any way, shape, or form. They're overdosing, and you read about it way too often, that this person overdosed on this, and they were, they were taken, and you're like, what were they trying to drink away? Look at, look at their life and who they're with and who could they get to spend time with and the places that they go, and yet it didn't bring them what they thought, the joy that it thought it would bring them in any way, shape, or form. But when we think about life, I hope that tonight is, is a bit of a warning, an advanced warning to look at the way that you're living your life, the way that you're using the resources, the talents, the giftings, the ability that God's given you, saying, you know what, this isn't just for me. Because when we realize, okay, God, you've given me this and I want to do something to further your kingdom with it, we can be a blessing to those around us and God says, I want to reward you for that in heaven. He says, I want to he is a rewarder. He wants to reward each and every one of us. Revelation 22, verse 12, talks about Jesus' return. And he says this, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. We are to think about the way that we live now and say, okay, how can this have impact on eternity? I like what Jim Elliot said. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He was a missionary who gave his life trying to reach an unreached people group. I, that was found in his diary. I heard that years and years and years ago and it has really, really stuck with me. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What is it that, that you've been given? What talent, what gifting, what unique relationship do you have with somebody that allows you to speak into somebody's life? Because see, whether you realize it or not, you're uniquely positioned and you have the ability to speak to people that I, that I can't. I've used this illustration before, but I think it's so good, I'm gonna use it again. So if I run out of ketchup, which heaven forbid we ever run out of ketchup, but just if, if, if we did, I'd go over to one of my neighbor's houses. I could knock on the door and say, hey, I'm out of ketchup. Do you happen to have any? And it wouldn't be a big deal unless they brought out something like the, the pink ketchup. And I'm like, no, I need Heinz. And they'd have to go back and then I'd go find a different neighbor because you get the real stuff. Don't mess around with ketchup. It is not a good thing. It would, but it wouldn't be a big deal if they accept the wrong ketchup. However, if I went to your house, knocked on your neighbor's door and said, hey, I'm out of ketchup, they'd be like, who are you and what do you want? And that's just because of where you live. We are all uniquely positioned and uniquely gifted. So are you using that to further the kingdom of God? What are you doing with it right now? What are you doing with it? got two more minutes, so I'm trying to decide what I want to do with this. I want to say this, Proverbs 11, 24. It says this. This is the message paraphrase. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It gets smaller and smaller. 
challenge you to look at, to maybe reevaluate the way you're using, the way you're looking at everything that God has given you. Are you using it to further the kingdom of God? Are you using the giftings and the talents that he's given you to build his kingdom or to build your own? And here's the neat thing about it. Second Corinthians talks, it says that God gives seed to the sower so that he can increase his harvest of righteousness. And I read that the other day and I thought, you know what? He gives seed to the sower. He doesn't just give seed. He gives it to people who are gonna sow. And I thought back to just different people that I know that are extremely generous. And I thought, I thought of this, this, this one guy lived up in Grant. Just amazing, generous, generous, generous guy. Always, always giving. Uh, he was a part of the church years and years ago before he moved off. And I was always amazed at how much he was willing to give. And I thought, well, he gives because he's got so much. And because he got so much, that, that's, that's why he gives. And, and he did. He would give away cars and they found somebody that needed a car. And so he and his wife go give a car and they decide they're going to go on a missions trip. So they go down to Mexico and they go on a missions trip and, and they meet some kids down there and they try to adopt the kids and that doesn't work out. So they sneak them back across the border. I'm dead serious. And so he sneaky adopts like three or four kids, which is a weird story. And it, Hey, he's, he's, it's, it's a long time ago and those people are long gone and some of them are dead and things and stuff. It's okay. It's, uh, it, 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 it. Yeah, anyways. So, <laughs> so he comes back and they, they add a couple more kids to their family and they're doing this and they get a bunch of other people to come and they go down there and they adopt some more kids and this time they do it the other way so they can cross the border and they come across the border and, and they get back and they're giving over here. And, and then I watched as all that he had just about disappeared. For some reasons I still don't exactly understand and some stuff that happened, that, that it all fell apart. It, it, it literally fell apart. The businesses that he had just disappeared and this, that, and the next thing. And he got kicked out of Michigan and he didn't do something right. And so the state said, we're not gonna work with you anymore. And off over here he went. And I thought, oh no, what is, what's gonna happen? And what's gonna happen over here? But I watched something that really blew me away. He didn't stop giving. He didn't stop using everything that God had given him to further the kingdom of God. It wasn't a matter of I've got extra so I'm gonna give. It was a matter of I've got so God, how can I use it? He still had people over to his home and began to start a, a, a small group in his home and reach out and it ended up turning into a church and a small size a small start of a church that helped over here and then went over and joined another one and did some more stuff over here. It didn't matter. It wasn't because he had a big house that he was inviting people over because when the big house was gone and he was back in the little thing, he was still there doing it. It wasn't a when I get here, I'll do this. It's a what do I have right now so this is what I'm gonna do. And as we close, I wanna leave you with that thought that it's not, don't, don't wait for the next thing, but when this, I'll be able to do that. Well, if I was there, I could do that too. Don't look at somebody else and think, well, they should. And as you say this, be like, yeah, that person I know who should have been here tonight, and they should do this. Because we can't control anybody else. But you have control over your, of what God has given you. Let's look at ourselves and say, okay, God, what have you given me? How can I use what you've given me? And how can I start today? with what you have given, given me. He gives seed to the sower. And I'm convinced about that guy. But the reason why, that ha the reason why 
he had so much. And again, that's exactly what happened as he went down and started with a small thing, had to restart in a whole other state, but yet God blessed him there as well. And I'm convinced the reason why was because he was so generous. That God gives seed to the sower. And he was sowing seeds all over the place. And God's like, yep, you're running out of seed. Here's some more. You're running out of more to give. Here's more. You're blessing. You're running. Here's more so you can continue to bless other people. Let's be a channel that God can use. Because where we spend eternity is forever. And what we do now affects our and everybody else's eternity. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to make sure that every single person that can hear my voice knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. That you know, if you're here and you say, you know what, I wish I, I, I'd like that very much. That would be nice. Well, I feel sorry for you because you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are on your way to heaven. It's not a matter of guessing or thinking, well, I think I've done this or I haven't done that. Or I says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. You can know. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know. So if that's you, and you want to be, you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven, you want to be forgiven, you want to be set free from the guilt and shame of your past and begin to walk in a relationship with Jesus, begin to walk in a relationship that brings peace. The Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. If you want to begin to walk in that, and tonight is tonight. You, we can pray together. You can leave here knowing where you're going to go, knowing what's going to happen next, and begin to live out that life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And if you want to begin to live that out, you can tonight. So if that's you, or if you say, you know what, yeah, there's a time that I was living for Christ, but I've turned my back on him. I've been walking away. I'm so far from that. I've been running away from him. The Bible says that if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. You can come back and you can leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're right standing with God. He knows what you did. He knows what you didn't do. He knows the battles that you're going through. and He has made a way for you to come back. The Bible says, Jesus told a story talking about the prodigal son. And the prodigal son humiliated his father. What he did to him was, was, was just awful. And, and, and he left and took bunches of the money, embarrassed him in front of him, and left and took off. But then when he hit rock bottom, he came back. Because he said, at home I know it will be better than where I am now. I know it will be, anything would be better than this. Even if my father makes me a servant in his house. He felt so ashamed for what he had done to his dad. But as he was walking home, Paul says, from a long way off, his father saw him and ran out to meet him and hugged and kissed him. And you may think, yeah, well, I've, tried, I've, I've gone so far and it's so bad, but God is waiting. He is watching and waiting and purposing and ready to run and wrap his arms around you and love you and kiss you and show you how much he loves you. So if you're either of those, if this is your first or you're running back, he wants you. He has made a way for you. If that's you, then on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up high. And you're saying, God, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that what you did paid the price for me and I wanna walk in the freedom that comes through relationship with you. 
if that's you, then on the count of three, shoot those hands up high, not halfway, all the way so that I can see them. If you're coming back, or if you say, for the very first time, I want to leave here knowing that I'm on my way for he- to heaven. I want to be forgiven, to set free, and walk in the peace that comes only through a relationship with him. One, two, three, shoot them high. Say, that's me, and I want that tonight. With everything, thank you. With everything I have, I want to know exactly where I stand. I'm going to leave here set free. Anyone else? Lift them up high. Not None of this halfway stuff. why don't we just, let's just all pray for that person that lifted their hands. And when you lifted your hand, I know you meant it, but this is what I want you to, I want you to again, to say these words from your heart and make these your own. Say, dear God, please forgive me and make me new. I wanna be all you've created me to be. Forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.